Welcome to Summer Bays, the unofficial home and away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavner, where I take a weekly look at the trials and those big old tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week I do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters are very good at finding themselves in, like, will Christian and Lewis's feud ever end? Or will Ryder and Chloe ever get the hint and leave poor Bella and Nick alone? <laughs> get ready to feel closer each day to home and away. Now, before I get started, I just want to say that tomorrow is Summer Bay's one year anniversary. It's one year old. So I can't believe it's been a year. The 15th of May, a historic day in, all <laughs> in home and away's history, of course. So to all the listeners who've been here with me since day one, my OGs, my rider dies, thank you so much for being with me. To any of the new listeners, you're more than welcome. Thank you so much for listening. It really is the highlight of my week putting together the episodes. And thank you also so much for not sharing any spoilers with me. I must say that's why I was resisting setting up the Summer Bay's Instagram page. But all the DMs have been spoiler free. So thank you very much. And in honor of our one year anniversary, here's a clip from episode one. I was on quite a rant. (laughs) Which brings me on to Mackenzie and her hospital obsession with Colby. So her love for Colby is like reignited with the the leg stabbing. And I think her kind of like overthinking everything. And I love when Willow snapped at her because she is like saying what we all feel, I think. That it's just like, stop obsessing. Like if he wants to be with you, he will be with you. But like you being by his side without him asking during the hospital, it's like not okay. And while she's a beautiful girl, my God, does she have one really good sourpuss face? Like, it's really good. Oh, yeah, I do have a real soft spot for her because, like, she's really trying her best. Like, look, it, she's barking up the wrong tree with Colby and then sets her sights on Ari. And But the flirting, oh, I'm, like, cringing out so bad. Like, like I said, I reward loyalty. Like, what? He gets a beer there once a week. Oh, gosh. I can't believe it's been a year. So much has happened. There's been deaths, births, breakups, makeups. Jasmine getting an AVO for stalking baby Grace. Colby becoming a murderer for the second time. And even an interview with the bloody Braxton. So thank you so much for listening every week. And I couldn't do it without you. I cannot believe it's been a year. So here's to many more and let's get on with the show. So, it had seemed like Christian had gotten a few wins under his belt. The autopsy came back clear. The hospital cleared him of punching Lewis outside of work. But tensions are high between himself and Lewis. Very high. And I'm loving how there's something in Jasmine's waters. She's got front row seat into watching Lewis's reaction to all of this and how badly he's taking it. And one key sentence he said this week was, I know how that patient died. Christian has to be negligent. Okay. But then he goes, I'm still trying to understand what else I have to do to make Christian pay. And I'm pretty sure Jasmine looks genuinely scared because the more she talks to him, the more riled up he gets. He's snapping at her. He's convinced the, the system is rigged to protect the doctors. And it's kind of gone to the point now where he doesn't care if he loses his job. 
So I don't know what more Jasmine can do. And there's already been this like rift between her and Christian. And Jasmine and Christian have agreed to keep their distance while this is all going on. But Jasmine's kind of losing a lot here. She's, while Tori is still keeping the communication between themselves, she's losing a lot in order for this relationship. And Lewis is unraveling, that's for sure, now that he's gone to the police. And he was so smug and smirky when the police showed up. Or when he was like pretending to help and then the police showed up. So... It's really put a spanner in the works for poor Christian and Tori. Because, I don't know, I feel like there's been a lot of doubt cast over Christian's ability as a doctor. But now, I think I'm sitting on like the Jasmine side of things. You want to believe he's good, but he's saying a lot of weird, intense, dark stuff that his kind of sheen is coming off a little bit. But yeah, it seems like they've reached a lockerheads point I didn't think it could get much worse until the the police rocked into the hospital looking for Christian. So it can go one of two ways. Christian will get off and they still have to work together, meaning who knows what's going to happen on the hospital floor. Or two, the other option is Christian gets put in jail or loses his medical license. And then, what, he's not going to work in the hospital anymore? He's not going to be a doctor? Lee. So pretty stressful time ahead for the for Tori and Christian. Town's person slash hero of the year goes to Dean Thompson. What a Baywatch moment. What a Baywatch moment that was when he flew into the water to save Justin and his and his twisted back. Unbelievable. And I actually thought to myself, why aren't Dean and Justin better friends? What's I kind of forgot about the relationship with Dean and Justin because Justin used to go out with Willow and right when she was going through like her gambling phase and there was, I think there was like a few punches exchanged over Willow at one point. Was there a, not a love triangle, but was it Willow trying to make Justin jealous by getting back with Dean back when they were kind of hooking up? Then Justin made Willow choose between her friendship with Dean or her relationship with him. And then fast forward a little bit, then there was the, when when Dean was with Ziggy, weren't they all working in the garage at the same time? So maybe him saving his life means that they can be friends or something. I kind of feel like they're in the same, I don't know, I kind of feel like they'd be in the same social network. But anyway, that whole, luckily that whole C situation brought Leah and Justin back together they both bond over being under Susie's spell they find mutual ground just a different way of coping but Justin is really popping those pain meds they've been drip feeding this for a little minute now it's I'm noticing it a lot and now that he's in far more worse pain like he's lying on the ground going to hospital for scans it seems how is he getting that all from a back pain there's definitely a mismanaging going on there or misdiagnosis of his pain, which is horrible because anyone with back pain knows how mind-numbingly debilitating it is. Um, So you can, he kind of seems like he's pushed into this out of desperation. But addiction isn't his family. Let's not forget Brody, who got on crystal meth, I think, was it? Pre-buying salt, obviously. So 
just keeping an eye on that. And then after they've sorted everything out, Leah was great in getting Justin to see the wood from the trees and be like, you can't really be angry at John since like you weren't judged when you made a stupid decision to run into the waves. So why are you still mad at him? So glad that they sorted everything out and bonded and a little bit healing went on there in that car, which was lovely to see. And look, it's nobody's fault. Susie was just a pro. And then when John comes to them to be like, can I please sell my house to repay you guys? And Lee and Justin don't even look at each other. They're like, absolutely not. Uh, we can't take your money. It's not your fault. So, but it does seem like John might sell the house because saying stuff like he wants a clean slate and sad memories and Marilyn's like, I think you should do it. So what does that mean? Because I thought that they were setting that up. That looked like a perfect angling into Lee and Justin get their house in the shape of John's. John moves somewhere else. I thought that they were really opening that up for them. And I was like, okay, I could see Lee and Justin in John's house. But then now I don't know where they're going to put it. They're not hardly going to get rid of the house as like a set piece because John's house is so stunning. The garden filled with flowers. I would love to live there. The garden, the outdoor area, the little seating veranda, stunning. So I really thought that they were setting that up, but it doesn't seem like that's happening. But if John's dead set on selling, who the hell is he going to sell to? And does that mean like new people are coming? I don't know. I really thought that I thought I could I was reading the plot there to see. And I feel like I've gotten it all wrong. But anyway, back to Dean. So I just love he's being such a good local community member at the moment. He's really volunteering all his help, even though he has no clue on how to run a surf comp. Like, I just don't recognize him. It's like he's being responsible. He's actually like an adult, like a real old dad. Um, he's even though he's roping in like the River Boys as sponsors, like it's a start. It's legit. I'm so like proud of him or something. It's great. Thanks to Dean. Now, it seems like the surf club surf comp is going on. It's going to go ahead. And obviously they had to rope in pure genius Rue Stewart and get her going with her old event management experience. They're kind of really phasing out her as a teacher and then maybe letting her be more of a PR guru again but calling back the journalist was such a good idea reframe the story they're obviously going to take a tabloid approach and I don't understand John of course of course he wasn't going to be happy of course he's going to be like oh everyone's talking about me but he doesn't really have the right to be annoyed it is kind of what happened and it is to save the surf comp at least so the surf club then doesn't go out of business so I don't know he kind of has to be the martyr in this situation in this situation and and it has worked because donations are rolling in. So I think it's going to go full steam ahead. Jai just might get to that movie world place that he's so eager about. Oh, I never thought I'd see the day that Willow would go. I found it a bit abrupt. While I'm really happy for her, I really didn't want it to happen. I just think she's such a pillar of strength for that whole Mangrove River gang. And I think Amber was giving good advice. And and while I really hated Willow in the old days, like really couldn't stand her. In the last couple of years, she's maybe since she broke up with Justin, actually, she's just way less of a troublemaker. She's a total rock for that whole family. 
And while I'm really happy for her that she's, you know, following love and being open and doesn't want to live her life with any regrets. But I'm just, I don't know, I think that family is totally disintegrated now. And yeah, they're just kind of dispersing and finding new places to kind of nestle into. Like Dean's pretty set up family wise and Bella's with Nico and yeah. And I'm yeah, I'm, I am happy for her because... Alex did seem like the one that got away but I just kind of thought like when they're kind of on the phone chatting and Alex doesn't ask her to go like hey do you want to see each other or whatever I was kind of like okay well then maybe that's it that's you're not going and maybe she'll find love somewhere in the bay I was like no 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 and because Alex is saying Alex was saying stuff like your life is too complicated and that it it'll never work you'll never be able to let them go and so when she makes this big leap of faith gesture, it was like, oh no, bye. So yeah, I can, I found all the goodbyes really sad and emotional. Like when she was telling, I don't know, if, I don't think she told Dean or Bella insensitively. It was kind of like, I'm doing this for me kind of thing. But obviously they were going to take it badly. And at least Amber was there to kind of let them see straight. But I did, they're all their solo goodbyes were really sad, weren't they? And I just don't understand, though, like why, maybe because they don't want the goodbyes to be too cluttered, but Ziggy and Jasmine are her like best friends, Jasmine especially, and they're there and they can't say goodbye. I know they're, I know they're at work and that's fair enough. And the departures in Home and Away are always so abrupt, but why can't they even just be in the background and just be there for like a hug? I never understand it. It's always like a reduced service when it comes to goodbyes. And then I sp- I know it's like, where do you draw the line? But she lives with Jasmine, whatever it's Ziggy, because his one has just gotten back on track. But I don't understand why. And, and I know Jasmine is like really heavily involved in the Lewis storyline. But then Jasmine is still going to have to acknowledge Willow leaving with Irene or something. Like, what's a five second hug of like Jasmine running in to be like, oh, I got off work early. Goodbye, goodbye. Or like, I'm here my lunch. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there's just too many at once. But like Willow even got a goodbye from Alf, Rue and John. There was time for that. It takes 20 seconds. Could we not have just gotten a little Jasmine goodbye? Anyway, but they did give loads of time then to the goodbye sesh with like Dean and how far they've come. And then Bella with, oh, she threw all her last minute advice at her and it was great. But you just feel for Bella because... She her as she said like her family keeps changing and she doesn't know like how does she feel safe and secure and oh, yeah it's just that's really hard at least they're on good terms now but still it's very sad and I love like as soon as she leaves Dean and Amber run into a problem that only Willow could solve because she's such a good middleman and what I hate about that is so okay Amber brings up oh marriage and babies and Dean gets freaked out but then figures it out on his own. And he thinks it through and then he's like, okay, I'm ready for it. He comes back to have the chat and then Amber's like, oh, no, I don't want kids. It's like, but you just said marriage and babies. And like, obviously, Dean would want to grow the family, give joy, but he didn't have. But and I suppose it's good now that they settled on. Okay, not now, but maybe later. So that's fine. But again, more up and down mind games from Amber. And speaking of, okay, Justin and Dean, why aren't they better friends? Why aren't Tori and Mac better friends? 
So Max been going through all this stuff at the hospital, like, okay, she's out now, obviously, and, and she's coming to terms with what has just happened to her. Ziggy's being really helpful, trying to get her to talk, and she's obviously very sad, a little bit snappy, but when Tori and Mark were like chatting in the hospital now, sorry, I wouldn't really call it a chat. It was last week, but um, she's just like, oh, get me out of it. Get me out of it. But like Tori and Mac would be really good friends. They have the same like business glamour vibes. I know Mac is supposed to, I think Mac came on the scene as 25. So she must be like, what, like 27 now. And I think Tori is a little bit older. It's weird that it's, they're not even like, even a little bit friendly, friendlier. I would have thought that they would be friends. And also, who I really don't understand are better friends, are Willow and Mac. Like, why are they closer? They have, okay, one, they have Ziggy in common. And I know, like, I know they've been on like a few nights out or whatever, but you never see Willow and Mac on their own. Obviously, now you never will. But you've got Dean and Ziggy as like a connector there, two fitting people. And it's like, and if, if they're pitching Mac as one of the younger girls, I mean younger by like a few years, but why wouldn't Willow and Mac be better friends? I don't get it. I don't know. And I just feel really sad for Mac because she needs more friends now. And I know all she wants to do is be alone, but she needs more friends than just Ziggy and Dean. Yeah, so that's that's pretty sad. But on to annoying and Chloe and Ryder. I just actually cannot cope with them. I thought that they were bad last week and here we go. Like, And there was a, there was this huge build-up, including like funny, in inverted commas, drive singing of Bella and Nick to this mystery location. And like, they always have so many radio moments. Remember on the cliff, them dancing to, I think it was Justin Bieber. And then now they're singing this other song. They just have such like, um, anyway, and they just, they arrive at the place. They're so happy. They're finally having alone time. They're having the, the best time. Champagne and by the fire. Hello. In ro- this seems like they never get out of their robes. Amazing. And then this cringy revenge prank plot from Chloe and Ryder. Like they just are so obliviously annoying. It's so shameless. And then being like, oh, we bought tequila. They just don't even care that that Nico is asking them to leave. They're so clueless. They're so unbearable. And they just, it's real weaselly behavior. Um, and like the poor Bella has been through enough. And like the least they could do is like sleep in the car or... And I purple in the hourly card being like, oh, we have to stay. They are just on this earth to annoy. But I don't know how Bella didn't lose it. I, d- I actually don't know. I really, fair play to her. Fair play. Alrighty, well, that about wraps it up for me this week. If you like what you hear, I would love if you could subscribe, rate and or review Summer Bays, but zero pressure. Summer Bays is on Instagram at Summer Bays Podcast. G'day and I'll talk to you next week.